Welcome to the Music of America podcast, where every week we visit a different state in America and meet a different guest in the music industry. Every day, Monday through Friday, we begin in Alabama and we end in Wyoming. I'm your host, Tom Pollard. Let's talk music here on the Music of America. The Music of America podcast continues with Josh Luce and the Plan 9 here in Lincoln, Nebraska. We're going to talk with Josh and Plan 9, and I'm really looking forward to this because he plays some really cool music that I have sentimental attachments to. But we'll talk about that here in a moment after we talk about Benormous Productions. They've been producing and recording music for over 20 years. I mean, music and videos, actually. After years as a performer, the owner, Ven Vierhoeven, decided to get back to that which he loved most, and that's production. After tutelage under Jordan Valeria, he opened up his own place in Millican, Colorado. He has high-end instruments, high-end tools are on hand there to make your sound compete with that of your favorite records. He has one goal in mind, and that's for you to look and sound as professional as possible. So go make some records. Go make some videos at B. Normus Productions, Millican, Colorado. They're on Facebook or at www.bnormusproductions.com. I'm really excited about this uh, because your style of music is so much fun to me. And I have such sentimental attachments, at least to two of the songs we're going to play here. I, I have dual citizenship in Missouri and in Vermont. My first day in Vermont, uh, there's this little club called the Radio Bean that I go to all the time. And you're welcome, Lee, because I plug his place all the time. And it was their 15th anniversary. So I sat down there and they had a band come out that would do like three or four songs. And then they'd leave, and then another band would come up. Or this guy'd set up over here, and these guys would play over here. We had Irish folk music, we had punk rock, we had reggae, and then these guys show up in these old '60s style suits with skinny, skinny ties, and they got up and started playing Safarian music from the Safarians, you know, old surfer guitar oh, music. Wonderful! It was so mm-hmm. cool, and so you know that hooked me more than anything. And then I got this. <laughs> So talk to me, what is, what is the plan nine and who is Josh Luce and how did this whole thing, what is this whole thing and how did it come together? Oh my, well, thanks for having me on. First of all, um, the plan nine, uh, originated about 20 years ago Wow, and it has mainly been part of my, uh, Oh, it's just been in my imagination a lot. There originally there were three of us from a music shop in in Davenport, Iowa called West Music. Um and it was just put together kind of as a lark because a couple of us were really big into surf and rockabilly and we we had a couple of opportunities, played a wedding, played a couple of promo things for the uh for the shop. Nothing you know nothing big we never really gigged out or anything like that but it was just fun to get together and play some music um life happens you move along uh and about 18 years later i kind of started getting the itch i'd always been playing but i'm like why am i not playing music for people yeah you know it's i'm just doing it for myself and there's nothing wrong with that right but I wanted to bring a style of music to people that isn't necessarily widely known or if it is known, you don't know it. If, if that makes sense. And I hope I'll, I'll make a little more sense out of that here in a little bit. I think actually, you know, just, it's funny you say that because it was just the other day. It dawned on me that my grandchildren are not going to know what a dial tone is. Right. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's along that same line with music, because that's where I went with that. I thought dial tone and whatever. There were a few other things I thought of my grandkids aren't going to know. I said, gosh, what music are they not going to know? They're not going to know this style of music. Yep. So. Well, and so what? My, my best example of this, I knew this music before I knew this music. Um, I grew up l- listening to oldies stations with my folks on road trips. Right. Uh-huh. And so you'd hear uh every once in a while you'd hear Wipeout by the Safaris. Right. You'd hear Walk Don't Run by the Ventures or Pipeline by the Shantes. Something like that. But 
you know, hey, that's kind of cool. But when you're 10 or 11 in the car, you're, you know, it's it's background noise. Um, but you're familiar with it. My my first real uh, explicit memory of this type of music is the movie Independence Day, actually. And in that scene, uh, it's the the song rumble by link ray plays and it's it hits those three chords right off the bat and it's really grimy and um uh, visceral i think uh-huh. is a good way to put it yeah but i didn't know what the name of the song was it's not like they come up with subtitles back then anyhow now now in movies they do they tell you what songs play and just right if you're watching the subtitles right but back then they didn't do that and it's like holy cow that's a cool song well i so that's i remember that vividly when i was a kid in what 96 that came out yeah yeah and so that's you know that's really where i first remember it and it's just gone from there and kind of has always been in my subconscious and now that i'm playing it it's like oh yeah yeah it's it's kind of it's part of me (laughs) well it's cool it's a good part (laughs) Um, i think so (laughs) what is what is your background had you played music even at the music store had you been playing before then like uh, are you a guitar player only do you play other instruments or What's what's well, your pedigree, I, I guess? Uh, boy, they they'd revoke that in a heartbeat. Um, no, small I P. started small playing, P. Then small P pedigree. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> they when I started playing music, I originally played organ way back in the day, and that wow. you know, so I have very very uh, limited keyboard background. But where I first really picked it up was I was a trombone player okay and played trombone from fifth grade all the way through college and past uh but what really kicked me off in in what i would consider myself a musician was i got asked to be a part of a uh an actual working uh 16-piece big band oh wow and so i played i played bass trombone in a band out of clinton iowa called the don carroll orchestra and I played in that from my junior year of high school all the way through college. And it was primarily a way looking at it, a, a get together for folks to play some music that they grew up with to have some fun and to occasionally gig out we'd we'd get some gigs here and there um mainly summer festivals and and so forth like that but um every wednesday we'd play at an eagles club oh and it was you know everybody get together have a beverage or two um and and play some play some fun music and not to go on too long but it was it was populated by a group of dirty old men (laughs) band leader don carroll was armenian who started playing trumpet in a strip club when he was 15 years old oh my gosh so gives you give you an idea of where he came from um it was just it was an amazing time uh to be part of uh, what give give me some song titles you would play because i had friends of mine in high school uh drum two trombone players and a sax player and they played at the Biltmore Country Club every Friday, Saturday night. So when we'd have parties and stuff and have, hey, Bill, Craig, Greg, come over. Oh, we can't. We got this gig at the Country Club. And these kids are, you know, these cats are 16, 17 years old, you know, and they'd been playing there. And the, the band leader was about the same age. But he put together these, this orchestra that played at a country club every Friday, Saturday night. But it was big band stuff. They did Glenn Miller. They did Goodman. They did yes. you know, the Dorseys, stuff like that. Is that what you did? Yep, that's it. Is it is? Yep, that's exactly what we did. My my personal favorite was um, I loved Caravan. Uh, I got to set the tempo on Caravan, and, oh, and we always joked that Caravan was a race to the end because our uh, our percussionist he could he could move. Man, yeah. he you you know you'd set the tempo. It was it was flying. You know you count them in one two one two three four. 
and, uh-huh. and we were just screaming. Uh, That's hilarious. And, and, the, and the songs like that are so much fun because the band gets into them. And uh, I, I just remember things like, oh, we just saw, we were just down in New Orleans. And, and I don't know what the style is called, but it's when it's like a blues jazz style where the, they'll be playing music and all of a sudden the band just shouts something, you know, like they shout the mm-hmm. lyric of the song. Is that is there a name for that break in a song? Not that I've ever heard. We always did that with Pennsylvania 6-5. Uh, right. Uh, yeah, Pennsylvania 6 5, 5, oh, 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 yeah. Right. Yep. I actually stayed in the Pennsylvania. Not, not. I actually stayed in the Pennsylvania hotel and that was their phone number. It was Pennsylvania 6 5 Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I think it's uh, since been torn down. I know it was re- being renovated because we were, we were there in 2001 and it was being renovated. So we walked down the hall and there's <laughs> sheetrock hanging Things falling down. Yeah, and- <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, that, but that's something that I just always love that certain style when a, when a band would do it. And when I, I watch a lot of old movies, when you're watching an old movie and the band's playing, they're going, and they go, bah, 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 da, 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 you know, like that. It's mm-hmm. that thing, that break when they vocalize. And that to me, it's just uh, that hits me the way your music does. It's just something really unique and special about it, you know? I do. Thank you. Um, it's it's fun music. It's yeah. it's happy music, right? It's, it's something that you're going to play that brings... I've, I used the term visceral already, but that's the best word that I can think of to describe it. It it evokes a response in you that makes you. It, it's like a, an endorphin rush almost. It, it really, that's perfect. Right? That's perfect. It's exactly what it is because you get something inside. You're not inspired by the lyrics. It's not a sad song. It's not a sweet song. It's not a happy song. It's a musical song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Music, and music. yeah. It, it hits you where it hits you in a in a subconscious sort of place yeah and wh- when i play out uh over the primarily you know i know i know we'll get there a little bit maybe but um i play a lot over the summer because it's kind of car show music it's it's festival fair kind of music yeah. um when I play, you can see people's reaction to it. It's it's something that you can... When you start playing Dick Dale and mm-hmm. they recognize Miserly, whether it be from Pulp Fiction right, or right. whether it be from, you know, 30-some years before that when they heard it on the radio, you know, the King of the Surf guitar. Yeah. Uh, when, when you see someone turn their head and kind of smile and be like oh they were you know it's yeah. that that sort of recognition is is a lot of fun well since you brought it up and it's the first song on our list this one brought such a smile to, and i try to listen to the music that the artists present to me when they send it to me and then again the day of the show now i've been on vacation for a couple of weeks so i've been kind of distant from this whole podcast thing so when i opened up this morning i said John Luce and the Plan 9. Let's give a listen to what, what we're getting into today. And as soon as I heard Bullwinkle Part 2, Pulp Fiction is my one of my all-time favorite movies. One of my, like, top top three all-time favorite movies, you know? And and I hear Bullwinkle, I'm like, oh, my God, this is so cool. <laughs> so thank you for that. Um, this arrangement is pretty true, right? It's it is very much so. Yeah, I I tend not when when I'm putting something together, um, I try not to veer too far from the uh, from the source material because the source material is what I love. And if I do take liberties with some things. Mm-hmm. But I try to make sure that I'm staying true to what the original artists put together. And in and in this case, I mean, there's some times where I play along with the original band. Like if I 
we'll we'll get there sorry not to go too far afield but if if the recording is is right i'll just play over top of something uh-huh and and that that works in some cases well and it makes sense too because like you said you're doing say you're doing a car show you're doing a grand opening of a bakery and your guys are set up out there whatever you want to catch that emotion you want to catch people's reaction and you do that better with cover music i think if you play it more true if you're more mm-hmm. of an original music musician, if you play more original music, then you might take uh, Pipeline, you might take Bullwinkle, and you might slow it down or might embellish it in a whole different style. Cool, because that's who that that's who you are there. And when you hear that song, it's like the first time I heard uh, uh, the Guns and or not Guns and Roses, the the Civil Wars do their version of Billie Jean. They did it like a ballad, mm-hmm. and I'm like whoa i know this song hmm. what is it and then i listen to the lyrics and that's billy jean <laughs> i wasn't expecting that i was not expecting that exactly so if that's your style that's cool but if you're trying to capture people's memories capture trigger that within them that made them feel like they did back in the 50s 60s 70s or whatever what got me yes. on on bullwinkle part two was how it took me right to pulp fiction and a smile on my face because they're just one of the brilliance. I think part of the brilliance of that movie is the music that he used and where he used the music in which scenes. Yes. You know, <laughs> Tarantino is amazing in how he scores his movies with yeah. music that exists and how he can elicit the or not elicit in this case, how he can, I, I consider him more of a conductor almost because he takes you places, not only with the visuals, but with the music that he's putting together with his visuals, especially how they go together. You know, when, when, when Butch is in the pawn shop, you know? (laughs) Yes. Oh my Lord. Yes. That is, that is a scene and a half, isn't it? A scene and a half. And and what better music? <laughs> what better music, right? That's the right in the right. scene where Bullwinkle is, right? Um I was thinking it's uh when he's uh he's trying to figure out what weapon to use to go free uh uh Bing Rames, Marcellus. No, I thought Bullwinkle was when he did uh when uh the chopper um whose chopper is this zed zed's dead oh that's right that's right that's right that's right zed's dead yep it was right right after the scene actually that's right that's right that was close well with that in mind this is josh loose in the plan nine and his version of bullwinkle part two
Winkle Part 2 with Josh Luce and the Plan 9 from Lincoln, Nebraska, here on the Music of America podcast. We'll get back to Josh and talk some more about musical or instrumental music, I guess. That's probably the best way to talk about it or describe it. The Bag, Bass Players, The Bag. It's a high-quality leather gig bag family of products that are handmade in the United States with the finest craftsmanship, with a beautiful, sophisticated, very cool overall appearance. They're made of some of the finest quality leather and cushion available and meant to last a lifetime, literally. They have over 30 years in the leather industry and are extremely proud to introduce a line of gig bags targeted to both the skilled professional as well as the fun-seeking novice. I'm curious how many gig bags Tony Vaughn sold at Christmas this year because of this show. Anyway, their hope is uh, that, that, that you'll love the bag as much as they do the bag. From Tony Vaughn Bass Bags. You can find them on Facebook, Tony Vaughn Bass Bags. That's Vaughn, V-A-U-G-H-N. Website in progress. They've had some issues with it, but they may be up. They may be down. You can try them, though, at www.tonyvaughn. That's V-A-U-G-H-N, TonyVaughn.com. Josh Luce and the Plan 9. Plan 9, wasn't that a sci-fi movie title? That is absolutely where it comes from. Plan 9 from Outer Space, one of the worst movies ever made. Yeah, to date. (laughs) Yep, Ed Ed Wood was, he's, it's funny, I I kind of feel a little bit of kinship with Ed because, you know, he, he was doing what he loved. doing it a lot of times on a shoestring budget uh and just doing the best that he could and the so the connotation for me is is more than just you know i i'm associating myself with what you know uh one of the worst cinematic (laughs) turds of all time it's more I I love where it came from, and I love the how oh, it's like an homage. I love the spirit yeah. that he put into it. Okay, that's good. <laughs> so let's uh, <laughs> let's let's talk about who is Plan Nine. It's a a bass player and a drummer, and you, right? Uh, it is, and actually, right now, uh, I fit two of those roles because um, when we started, uh, and when when you first contacted me about mm-hmm. being on, uh, we were a three piece: had uh, bass player, drummer, myself. Um, life happens, as as you know, and so I'm actually taking this in a little bit of a different direction. Um, I'm doing a virtual band. Um, I play, I am a bass player as well. So what I do is I have a friend of mine in Cedar Rapids, uh, Iowa, who is very much into this. We're just separated by five and a half hours. And so gigging is not, uh, necessarily (laughs) the easiest, not in the books for this week. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Um, but he lays down really nice drum tracks for me and we're working on getting that put together and then i come back and i lay down uh however many guitar parts we need i put together uh the bass part and arrange it and edit it all down into something that is uh consumable for the public Mm-hmm. And so my live show is really just me. Um, some people look at it like, well, you're just playing with a backing track. You should get a band. Well, it's a little bit more than that in yeah. my mind. It It's because we are trying to do something different. We're trying to provide a, a self-contained show. And I, and I do say show because... I work in uh, multimedia into the show, into the movies. Um, for instance, um, I, I do a guess the movie game while while I'm performing, and you know it's just silly little prizes to to keep people uh, engaged and so forth, yeah. right? You know, everybody loves a candy bar here and there, um, <laughs> but I can I can find bits of audio from a tv show so um there's a song called out of limits by the marquettes 
And basically, it's kind of their take on the Outer Limits yeah, theme. theme. Yeah. Well, so what I've done is I've taken one of the intros from the Outer Limits and take the audio and cut it down into, I don't know, about 20 seconds or so. Um, you know, we are in control. You know, right. do not adjust your set. That kind of stuff. And for the next hour, you will be, you know, from the inner recesses to the outer limits. And as soon as it says the outer limits, uh, I've got my clicks all behind it. So, you know, if you're not listening to it, you're listening for it, you're not going to hear it. But as soon as it says the outer limits, music's on and it's time to go. Oh, well. So it's, I'm trying to, trying to make a, a fun and interactive performance for people. Um, and if, you know, if, if you can say, well, the outer limits is a little bit on the easy side cause it says it right there, but, right. uh, it's, it's kind of cool though, too, cause I, it, it, you're a one man show and you want to detract mm-hmm. from that. You want to detract that. I'm the only one up here. Otherwise yes. people focus it's backtracks. It's this and that. And no, no, it says, shut up. Let's here's a trivia question. Here's a candy bar. All of a sudden, the conversation is about trivia and how much fun they're having. And it's not about a guy playing a bass with other music pre-recorded. Because that can be tough. That can be really tough, especially if there are musicians around. (laughs) Exactly. And and I've had uh, musicians uh, at at a couple of my shows come up, and we've talked a little bit about influences and where they've come from. And uh, a surprising number of them share an affinity for uh rockabilly especially because of the roots um with you know modern rock and roll and where it comes from but the a lot of them aren't as i'm not they aren't as well versed in it like it like they kind of like we said at the beginning they know it but they don't know it Right. It's right. like, it, yeah. it rem- oh, I heard Brian Setzer play this, or, you know, they, they may scratch the surface on something. We are so in sync right now. That was Brian that was, Setzer. No, I'm just going to, I was just about to bring Brian Setzer into the conversation. That's so funny that, that we're right there at the same place. Sorry. We are. Yeah. It's cool. <laughs> no, that's okay. I uh, also want to inject that uh, this is audio only, but uh, mm-hmm. Josh, Josh could pass as Jerry Garcia. You know, so he's got a real Jerry Garcia vibe about him. You know, change your glasses and lighten, lighten the hair around your beard a little bit more white, and you look like Jerry in his latter years. <laughs> and if you close your eyes, you may hear Kermit the Frog on steroids. <laughs> That's funny. I got a friend of mine that calls uh, uh, death metal as uh, he calls it a uh, uh, oh, cookie monster on on Quaaludes. You know, <laughs> that style. <laughs> so the the next song, and and I, I I should qualify this. I said it's my favorite instrumental of that era, more than pipe or more than more than wipeout. But I have to say this I, after I said that, I thought, well, really, it was my second because wipeout was my first because wipeout was the first instrumental, and what I I guess why I put pipeline in a different class is because it was my appreciation for what they did what was accomplished with wipeout that made me appreciate pipeline does that make sense it does it does and you know the funny thing is um when what you mentioned wipeout i try to make sure in all of my stuff because i want i want to give proper credit and i it's a little bit of a history lesson anybody that knows me knows that i uh i have a, the ability to retain a whole lot of useless information but i like to pass that on because i people in my experience when you can tell them something they didn't necessarily know yeah they it it even if they're not particularly looking for that information it it makes it more memorable in 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 a way that it's not just 
I'm going to, you know, I'm going to pass by and listen to this guy for a couple of minutes while he's playing at the show. Yeah. It's going to be like, oh, no kidding. I didn't know that. Right. And then listen to it and, and feel a little bit more connection. I like so, it. Me personally, I like that a lot more. You know, when I'm listening to somebody, I want to hear, like, if it's a cover band, I want to hear why you're doing that song or what's your connection with it. And that's usually what it is. And uh, the, the one I hear most often is Scrambled Eggs. You know, what what song was originally called Scrambled Eggs? It was Yesterday by the Beatles. You know. <laughs> I did not know that. It's, there you go. Well, so when they, when when Paul was writing it, he was struggling with the words. And John says, well, it's simply just write something and that fits. You know, like, I don't know, like Scrambled Eggs. Oh, my gosh, you've got such sexy legs. You know, something like that. And, and, and from there. That, that that song, a great song yesterday. Yesterday, song. yeah. Uh, my no favorite, kidding. my favorite is uh, Buffalo Springfield. For what it's worth, do you know that yeah. story? Do you know that story? I do. I do. No, I know the song. I'm not sure that I know oh, the story. So uh, Buffalo Springfield needed a song for like a single release or something, according to their contract with their with their label. And I've heard variations of it. So this is the most recent one I've read because I had to check it out to make sure I was getting my story right. And and uh, uh, the whole time, Stephen Stephen Stills wanted to be kind of like the Beatles. Neil Young wanted to be more like Dylan. So there's conflict there, you know. And Neil Young had songs set aside for his solo project, and Stephen has his songs set aside for solo projects, whatever. And uh, I said, well, we, we, we need one more song. And Stephen's like, well, I, I wrote this kind of protest song. It was about the curfews uh, of people, rock and roller fans, back in the 60s, breaking curfew and staying out late and causing traffic jams in, in L.A., and there were riots about it and stuff. So he wrote this song. He goes, but I, I you know, I don't know, I got this for what it's worth. And uh, that became, not only did that become a big hit for them, but the song kept that as a title. They even wanted to subtitle it, uh, uh stop what stop hey what's that sound or something like that was right. the subtitle a parenthetic title of it but uh it ended up being an anti-war movement uh mouthpiece song or whatever you know mm -hmm. the very thing they didn't want they just wanted rock and roll success they didn't want to be a an iconic you know peace uh you know peace and stop the war uh part of the big peace movement i guess is what i'm saying and mm -hmm. it, it became an icon for that era for the whole Stop the War movement, the very thing they didn't it really want. did. And he didn't even have a title. So he says, I've got this for what that's, it's worth. For what it's worth. No kidding. Yeah. That's, that's I a did not fun, know that. fun That's trip. awesome. Because that's one of my favorite songs of the 60s. It's yeah. just because, again, going back to the emotional connection, it's I I have have this hobby of writing uh short horror stories and so a lot of times a song will trigger something in me i'm like okay i can do something with this idea now and that's always one of them that's like i've got this story that i'm fleshing out but when i'm writing it i can imagine in the background for what it's worth playing <laughs> yeah it, it, and it's just it's kind of a a weird sort of a of a feeling to have that because it's not a happy song no it's right not. tonally it's it's very downbeat and you know of the time you know even even if they weren't necessarily going for it yeah and it's always uh, like very unsure of what's happening i think is a good way to put it now i'm going to pull us out of this rabbit hole and get back on track <laughs> to pipeline and because it's all music of that same era you know that, that we're mm -hmm. talking about but wipeout to me set the table for pipeline because yep. wipeout had just this incredible drum do, 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 and then that riff that's so memorable riff to date i mean i think of that i also think of the adams family or uh, the monsters because their theme was real close <laughs> yep but it, uh, it was it was an appreciation for instrument, um, instrumental music of that time. Because we grew up at, uh, close to the same age, and the instrumental music we would hear would be like theme from A Summer Place by Percy Faith or something like that, you know, and 
all sure. this flowering and uh, uh, so it was transitioning from big band to mom and dad's 50s 60s jazz kind of soft rock or soft music whatever this brought rock well. and roll this brought rock and roll in so when pipeline to me when pipeline came out this is when guitar work was getting interesting too this is when mm-hmm. guitar slim had taught jimmy hendrix about distortion you know and this is when fast picking and johnny cash and you know all this stuff was coming into view so pipeline became to my guitar friends the song to try and learn to play now that was you know for the musician people that makes sense for the musician people our age you take that out of the mix this is still a really good song so let's talk about your decision on pipeline why why pipeline as opposed to any number of other songs uh pipeline Pipeline, more than anything, was one of the very first songs that I, much like you're saying, I felt a connection to. Uh-huh. Um, and it's one of the first songs that I learned how to do tremolo picking on. Uh, you know, the the slide down at the very beginning. It's that. It's it's more than just playing fast or play you know you see the here bit of a tangent but you see videos of a guy hooking up a pick to a power drill and playing a song <laughs> and it's like it's not uh you're taking you're taking the soul out of a song when you do something like that it's fun yeah. to do it's as an experiment right but that's that's not really my thing but to to take that and and apply it to to pipeline it's more than just playing the notes. It's playing them in the right places or trying to anyhow and get the timing right. Because when you hear the crash at the beginning, just, you know, it sounds kind of like a crashing wave. Right. Right. And then it's designed to bring into mind. Somebody is surfing a pipeline. Or uh-huh. they're going into the curl, right? Right. And th- it it's very much th- for me. It was an entry into surf music, and so it it's important to me for for that sort of uh, for that sort of reason because not only does it encompass what the genre of music is but what it meant to me to be able to start playing it and play it quote unquote correctly. That's cool. Cause then, then you own it. You know, they always say like, it, yeah. make, make mm-hmm. it your own. And it's a way that you can make that your own when you play it. That's cool. But we're going to give it a listen. Josh loose in the plan nine from Lincoln, Nebraska and the song pipeline. Thank you. 
Josh Lewis and the Plan 9 here on the Music of America podcast and the song Pipeline. I'm your host, Tom Pollard. We'll get back to Josh Luce in a moment. I was talking to a friend of mine about my brother's couple's workbook called Two Years After Forever. Two Years After Forever. It's sort of a how-to guide to improve your communication skills, which, as anyone in any relationship knows, is crucial. So as we spoke later in the conversation, I mentioned the book again. I said, Two Years After Forever is the name of the book I told you my brother wrote. She interrupts me and she goes, oh, your your brother's book. I thought you meant a book you borrowed from your brother, your brother's book. Three little words, my brother's book, two entirely different interpretations. Well, in the book, Two Years After Forever, there are exercises that help you form better communicative skills to avoid pratfalls like that one. Along with your partner, learning to apply these exercises help you get back to why, maybe two years ago, you pledged a lifetime together forever. Two years after forever. www.twoyearsafterforever.com or available at Amazon today and forever. Our guest is Josh Luce in the Plan 9. And the next song we're going to hear is a song that I was not familiar with. And I might be, it could be one of those that I grew up listening to and I heard so many times it's been shelved and it's covered with cobwebs and I don't recognize it. So when I re-listened to the song, I was immediately thrown back to the old Dean Martin 1960s spy movies. Remember the hmm. old Dean? Uh, uh, Matt Helm. Matt Helm, that's it. I couldn't think of his name. But that genre, that music fit with that type of movie so much back then. You know? And it was a, I could see that. Just, just a, like a snare drum with an occasional bass and a guitar. You know, I could, I so, could see, see him holding his gun, getting ready to walk in the door, and then he kisses the cocktail waitress before he bolts in, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, Link Ray wrote and performed in a way that hits so many different genres and influences so many people um and and it overlaps with so much so you you went to matt helm i've always thought of link ray um as more of i envision like cd dive bars and uh kind of biker gangs and you know like the biker movies of the 60s uh, okay you know? yeah because i don't see angels on wheels and right. so I, forth. I, I don't see this on sons of anarchy you know <laughs> but yeah back well, in... that's a different genre perhaps right. but uh but no i could i could see that yeah it's it's a little too light for sons of anarchy perhaps <laughs> exactly but like you said like the movies of the 60s like hell's angels on hell's angels on wheels whatever yeah those the perfect for mm -hmm. that is it it it's like the signature piece or that style of that era fits that mm -hmm. style is that why you pick some of the songs you do that it, it fits the tone of the whole like I, th I think of your your body of work as a piece of art okay mm -hmm. and just like pipeline is the character and and bullwinkle might be the background setting you know then jack the ripper could be a tree you know, it's all a part of that same composite, yeah. that same. So is that how you kind of pick your music? Like, here's my my portrait I'm working on. Here's what I need. Yeah, you could look at it like that. Um, I what the the real litmus test is. Does it have a story, number one, and does it evoke a reaction? for me personally uh -huh. so everything that i play uh is going to have a personal connection in some way shape or form whether it's just it's a feeling or whether it's um uh, you know an actual story like like the independence day story where i can Right. I can tie myself something directly to that piece, uh, something like that. So, yeah, in, in in very broad terms, I'm the artist painting painting the picture for you that I want you to see. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I hadn't hadn't necessarily thought of it like that, but I I could absolutely see it. 
And so if you're doing a performance, for example, and somebody makes a request, even though the song might fit the the theme of what you're doing, it might not fit the sh- it may not fit the painting of the day. You know what I mean? It it might, but a lot of t- the time when if I get a request, mm-hmm. um, the most of the time it's Miserloo by Dick Dale. Oh, because really? Because that <laughs> it is, and thankfully that's one that does that I do play. Uh-huh. Um, and it fits in, but uh, I, I try to keep my influences broad enough that I can work in a lot of different things. So let's say somebody right now, one of them that I'm working, it's not in the set yet, but it will be by the spring is uh-huh. the theme from Hawaii Five-0. Oh, how fun. Which is a... Uh, it's a sneaky hard song to play because the ventures were, you know, I don't know that they get their due as guitar players. Noki Edwards and Bob Bogle were tremendous lead players. Uh And Don Wilson uh, is one of the most rock solid rhythm players you would have ever heard. It's, but because they, lived in the quote-unquote surf realm yeah they were kind of looked down on them in in my opinion now guitar players know what they do and know what they did and and how good they were i mean noki edwards played with johnny cash after carl perkins did yeah i mean that johnny cash isn't gonna have a hack up there on stage with him right he's (laughs) you know it's the number of people who were influenced by the ventures is hard to quantify. John Fogarty, yeah, uh, is, I've actually is read a that, great I've, example. I've, I've read that recently that that Fogarty was really influenced by that whole that whole. But the ventures specifically he named, but yes, then, but he he talked about that whole genre of music way back then. And I thought of him as like an old Southern rock boy that, that played the blues. Uh, yeah, and he's from uh, San Francisco. Yeah, yeah. You know, right. Creedence, Creedence is out, out of California. I, yeah. I never would have, listening to Green River, for instance, Great you'd never think that's where he was. But there again, you know, to your artist point, that's what he was trying to portray, right? Yeah. And yeah. and look at look at how well connected he is with, the south and you know you imagine mississippi and alabama yeah, and yeah. just in the music and the swamps right it's from northern california funny but the actually the the song green river that you cited and the band alabama go hand in hand because they took you know when alabama was the big superstar country band back in the 80s mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. was one of the songs that they did that they made famous again but through a different to a whole different audience they did it they did their own version of green river i didn't know that and uh i think that's kind of what launched them into superstardom because they took a great song by a great old rocker and they countryfied it just enough but they took that message that that imagery of of what you just said like somebody in the south you know walking along with a catfish pipe walking along a river road tonight you know barefoot boy mm-hmm. barefoot girl laughing in the moonlight that's perfect imagery for a country song but it was an old rock song it so it, it bridged those people together those groups together that were our age you know i think that's one of the things that launched really launched them in, instead of stardom the superstardom and other bands have tried at that same time tried to capitalize on there, there was a band called atlanta had a big song called atlanta burned again last night and that was their mm-hmm. big hit and it, it maybe broke into the top 40 you know <laughs> But nobody could do what Alabama did. So that's uh, true. Interesting, dude. I could talk to you forever. You know, because <laughs> there's been a lot of fun. We seem to be a kind of kindred uh, spirits, so yeah, to speak. Yeah. Who who did you listen to growing up? Uh, believe it or not, Black Sabbath. Um, Same here. I'm a I'm a big Tony Iommi was the guy that I wanted to play guitar like, and oh, okay. I could get the rhythms down. 
and a uh, buddy of mine uh, who's one of the best gu- blues guitar players you're ever going to hear, who's never been heard of outside of, you know, a small group of friends. He's, he's a player's player. Uh-huh. And he's unfortunately a little bit pigeonholed. His name is Shane Johnson. Hmm. Um, he he is just an incredible influence on me. Um, he, uh, my gosh, my train of thought derailed. That's all right. It happens at my age all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Where was I going with that? Uh, see my, my, my brother was a retired therapist and he explained to me that, you know what ADHD stands for attention uh, deficit. Hey, donuts. <laughs> so where but, was I going with that? Uh, we were talking about influences and, uh, um, uh, Oh, thank you. That got me. That got me there. Okay. okay. So. Uh, I don't know if we want to cut this out or if we want to keep it going, but uh, so I wanted to play like Tony Iommi, but I can't play guitar solo to save my life. Uh Shane pointed out to me probably fairly accurately that for a guy who doesn't like to play guitar solo, I've picked a genre of music that's essentially one long guitar solo. (laughs) That's so funny. That's so it's funny. That's accurate. Because if you if you think about it, that's what surf music is. It is yeah. a guitar solo with a format. So that's exa- that's hilarious. I've never that that absolutely absolutely defines surf music. So cool. It does it's you know Dick Dale? It's I mean he he'd play he'd play a ninety minute set of guitar solos. So uh-huh. that's funny. <laughs> Now, now I know what I got to start listening to you because I'm working. I'm trying to improve my skills. Uh, I tell people like I was down in New Orleans and uh, uh, got the the joy to hang out with Guitar Slim Junior, who's you know Guitar mm. Slim Senior's son, and and, mm-hmm. and Junior's a legend in his own time. You know his own right. You know he toured with Stevie Ray for like, like one of the last years when Stevie Ray was when Stevie Ray was around. Anyway, we're at a at a, at a club and he's like. You up and play. You up and play. I said, no, man, I, I own guitars. Like, I can play guitar, but I'm not a guitar player. Is the moniker, that's the, the thing that I use. Now, sure. I want to be a little bit better. And now, having hung out in Louisiana, in New Orleans, and, and having gone by uh, the crossroads in Clarksdale and Rosedale, uh, just, just to be serious, yeah, and went through Duncan and you know, some of the parts of the, the blues trail, whatever. Uh, I want to improve my skills and that's a really good idea to to start listening to surf music because that's what it is it's just like you said one guitar solo with some pretty cool and they you know some of the changes that they make are very melodic but you're making jumps yeah you know there's uh, you it's it's almost like doing rudiment exercises for your hands in some ways because you're skipping chords you're skipping you know sections of the fretboard to play the same sort of patterns but it sounds like it's a great exercise you know for for timing and for Mm -hmm. where you're going to find yourself on the fretboard so how about that we come to listen to music and we get a lesson (laughs) there you go <laughs> Josh Luce and the Plan Nine, our guest today on the Music of America podcast. We got one more song. We talked about it already, so we're just going to play it now. And uh, unless you want to say something more about Jack the Ripper, um, you know, just just real quick, um, Link Ray is kind of just now getting a little bit of love. I mean, the fact that it took until this year for him to go into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame yeah. uh, is disturbing to no end now not not to get into the debate of the rock and roll hall of fame whether or not it's the rock and roll hall of fame is a is an entirely different story altogether but but you know for anybody who is really looking for the roots of rock and roll and the guy who really popularized the use of the power cord Uh link ray is it i mean there's a reason that jimmy page put link ray into the hall of fame and he, yeah. I forget yeah. how many years. Li- Jimmy Page performed at the Hall of Fame induction for the first time in seven or eight years. Wow! Right to put Link in that—that's 
this guy's influence. And so I'll get off my soapbox here so we can take a listen <laughs> to this song. But if you're not familiar with Link Ray, do yourself a favor and go check him out because he's not the greatest player in the world. Yes. But he played with passion and he play. he was such an innovator because he'd play a little 12 watt tube amp until it blew up. And that sound of that amp on the ragged edge yeah. back in the fifties and sixties is how he got his sound. It's, you know, you play him, blow him up, get a new one, play it, blow it up. And <laughs> that's what you did to do what you needed to do. And so link is just, I'm my job on uh, with the band a little bit is just to expose as many people to link and how cool he really was yeah. and what really neat music that he did. So that's, that's my, my little sermon about link. It's kind of cool though. So the, the Josh loose, Josh loose plan nine experience isn't so much the music as much as it is about the music. Yes. That's yeah, so cool. very much so. That's so cool. Very much but, so. I I, I want to bring people into the world of the music, yeah. not just listen to it. That's awesome. And it's cool. And it's effective. And we got it here. It says Josh Luce and the Plan 9 and Jack the Ripper. Jack the Ripper with Josh Luce and the Plan Nine here on the Music of America podcast. Josh, this has been I, I, I don't I don't know if anybody's listening at this point, but I don't care because you and I have had a great conversation. <laughs> it's been great. I mean, I, I do care, but you know, kind of don't you know because <laughs> we get. I to understand have this what you're saying. All right, uh, this is the last segment of the show. We call this shameless self promotion. This is where you you plug any merch you have places where they can find you see you shows coming up in Jan uh, january throughout 2024 and you've got a facebook page so let's talk about how people can find you and support you uh yeah so right now um i'm 
I guess I'm uh, use the term going dark a little bit. Uh, I'm trying to put together a brand new show for the spring of 24. Uh, so right now I'm in the woodshed. I'm putting together probably 20 new songs or so before, because uh, I want to want to be able to really flesh out what people are hearing and exposing uh, musically. Um, so I don't have a whole lot of gigs at the moment. But you can, I'm always up to play. Uh, so if you want to find me, go to facebook.com forward slash Josh Luce and the plan nine. That's J O S H L U C E A N D T H E P L A N, the number nine dot com. So Josh Luce and the plan nine. And I'm also on, uh, you can contact me via email, Josh Luce and the plan nine at gmail.com. I won't spell it out for you again, cause that's really boring and long. Um, <laughs> but no, I'm, I'm really ramping up now to start getting, uh, getting shows, uh, car shows are, um, We've got my got my feelers out for a couple of those. I'll be playing farmers markets starting in the spring here uh, in in Lincoln. Got a couple of those that I I'm already getting lined up, uh, and really any sort of party event, anything you want to have something just a little bit different, hit me up, Josh Loose in the Plan Nine at gmail dot com or find me on Facebook. I wish you were closer to Vermont. Every year we have a Halloween party. And we always hire a band and they're usually friends of mine, local musicians up that way, you know, that have regional, sure. regional pull. And everybody that we wanted to get this year had conflict for one reason or another. And uh, so we hired a three piece ragtime band and we had a okay. speakeasy theme for our Halloween party this year. Oh, that's if, fun. If, if we had you, we could do like a surfer theme. Or oh sure, or a sixties well, theme or uh, anything like that. You know, we could do a, a go go dance. My wife's always up for. <laughs> there you go. My wife's always up for traveling. So uh, by all <laughs> means, don't uh, don't let a good pa- good thought pass you by. <laughs> uh, yeah, I usually do. I, I'll usually forget it by it's uh, you know by the time we get done with this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> nope, I get it. So, so but no, jo- it's, so it's Josh. It's Luce, been a lot of fun. L U C E and the Plan Nine Number Nine on facebook yes uh kind of going dark and then coming out i was going to ask you this too like since we're, yeah. we're on this theme and at that same era when like the safaris and all these guys came out there was another yes. instrumental version of music that hit pretty heavy and that's herb albert and the tijuana brass oh yeah will you ever go down that road or are you going to stay with this this theme here I'm going to stay with this theme mainly because um, mainly because the instrumentation in Herb Alpert's stuff, for instance, requires a little bit more than I think I can provide to somebody. Yeah. Um, as, as fun as it would be to play A Taste of Honey. Right. Uh, exactly. or, or something like that. Tijuana taxi. Or There's like so yeah. much going on. You know, that'd that'd be like one person trying to cover the band Chicago or Earth, Wind, and Fire. In You're, my right. Mind. You're and right. You're right. Well, because you, 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 I'm going back to when you said trombone that used to play trombone. So I thought, well, sure. Trombone player can hook up with an old horn player real easily and say, I need a I need a trumpet player to be my Herb Alpert. And the next thing you know, you get your 16 piece orchestra back. <laughs> well, you know, you're if if very seriously, if if I wanted to actually do something like that, you are absolutely right. Finding a, a group that wants to play horns around here is so much easier, to be honest, than than finding somebody who wants to play early rock and roll. Interesting. Um, it's. It's not a bad idea, but I kind of, I like my little niche that I've carved out for myself and that it's where my heart is because as much as I like playing horn, I love playing the surf music more and I love playing the rockabilly more. It's just, it's my baby in a lot of ways. Well, uh, we love your baby, Josh. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. 
again, thank you for coming on the show. And uh, don't be a stranger because we've got way too much in common to not uh, stay in touch. Okay. Absolutely. We'll we'll keep you posted on what's going on and hopefully meet you up down the road again. Sounds wonderful. That's Josh Luce. Josh Luce and the Plan 9 here on the Music of America podcast that wraps up our visit to Nebraska next week. We're headed out to Nevada. You've been listening to the Music of America podcast. If you like today's show, please go to the website at www.musicofamericapod.com or our Music of America podcast Facebook page. Like us and follow the show and episodes. We tally the votes of all our shows, and the most listened to shows will be rebroadcast on our best of shows at the end of the season. I look forward to having you with us again and listening to the Music of America.